hello everybody welcome to another episode of the thriving adoptees podcast and i always say this and i always mean it you've got we've got a real treat for you today this lady is uh, a, a a a live wire we've got a we've got a real live wire here and i'm, I'm interested and she's way brighter than me way more intelligent than me so i'm i'm looking to, <laughs> she's a professor um she's dr sid brown and um, welcome to the show thank you so much i'm excited to be here yeah so i heard about dr sib um on uh, via jennifer jennifer dying ghostens uh, podcast and uh, i thought this lady has got something special so um i stood to come on the show and and here we are so uh, she's a professor uh, uh, you're currently in uh, nashville uh, out of uh, chicago originally mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you are a late discovery adoptee so you found out the day before you were 42 was it if correct I remember rightly mm-hmm. uh, and obviously I, i'm english i'm an english gentleman so i'm not going to ask the next question let's just I'm say 54 i'm 54 that was okay. 12 years ago okay right okay well she, yeah. uh, so i'm 56 well, actually uh, actually 2010 i'm sorry it would be 13 because i found out in december the yeah. day before my birthday so i found out in december of 2010 so i'm going yeah. on 13 whole years yeah so are you late December? What date are you in December? The 15th, mid-December. 15th. All right. So you're, you're, so I'm a early January, so I'm a Capricorn, if if you put any. Yes. In that. But yes. You're before Capricorn. I'm a fiery, I'm a Sagittarian. Total Sagittarius. fire. My sister, my, my little sister uh, is actually Sagittarius too. So cool. one of the things that I heard uh, Sib, Dr. Sib say is that uh, we're, we, we never heal. Um, but she seems to be pretty happy and pretty upbeat. So there's an interesting dichotomy there, an interesting contrast. I don't often use words like dichotomy, but, but you know, I'm speaking to a professor, right? So you go, hilarious. Yeah, up you go. Um, so there's a bit of a contrast there, and you started um, you started uh, diving into that uh, to um, to uh, explore that and then I thought hold on a minute let's let's press record and let's get into this so so you you, you said something about n- never healing but evolving so what what's your take on this so it's semantics it's words it's verbiage it's how you look at it so everyone has a different perspective and what you embrace is what you embrace for me personally I'm realizing you don't completely heal because life evolves meaning I might heal one thing And then I have to work on something else. So there's always healing to be done. So you may get over that first hurdle of healing, but then the next hurdle is going to come. Um, Because that's what makes makes us human. Always growing, always evolving, evolving, always learning. If we get to the end, you might be at the end of your existence in this lifetime. Okay. So I'm with you on on the ongoing process and the evolution (laughs) thing. Um, But uh, the... The idea, obviously, um, well, the idea that we and it is this is verbiage. To mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that extent. It, so, what what do you think is wounded? Wounded is lacking awareness. So when we're unaware, we're wounded. Because um, I've listened to you as well. So when we're not aware, we're wounded because we are hurt. We're accepting the human definition of hurt, which is wounded. When you're going spiritual and metaphysical, you're in a whole different state of awareness. You're aware of it differently. 
So woundedness is real. Um, for me, the problem wound is real because um, that was an initial wound. You know, maternal separation. I lost my mother at birth. I don't know if my mother ever was able to hold me, to talk to me, to touch me. I, I don't know. I doubt it based on what I've heard. Um, but she wanted me. She really wanted me. So both of us left that situation wounded. Um, there was a hurt. There was a primal energy, a primal harm that was done to both of us. Yeah. Now, within that woundedness, once you realize what it is, so let me be clear. Once I realized I was adopted, now I felt adopted most of my life because I didn't look like my family, even though it was the same race adoption. I didn't look like anybody. As a kid, I'm looking around like, is the choir director my mama? Because I don't look like these people. Like unconsciously, I knew. Um, in my book, I say that I'm writing, I say a bear cannot raise a lion undetected. And I don't know why humans think you can take one baby and replace it with another. And, you know, you can go biblical on that with the, the, the cutting the baby in half with Solomon. But the bottom line is, we know who we are, and there are ways that we are wounded in the human sphere. And really the only way, Simon, and what I like about what you do is the only way to truly get to a place of healing is to get beyond the human definitions of all of this stuff. Because if we stay in the human realm, we stay in right and wrong. We stay in good and bad. If we go in the spiritual realm, we can get ourselves out of that layer of skin. And so once you shed that layer of skin, then you can progress. Now, let me be clear. Everyone's not in the same place and there's nothing wrong with that. And some days I regress. Some days I'm the two-year-old having a tantrum for sure. But I try to strive towards being light, just being light, period. You know, just be light, you know, L-I-G-H-T and be light in spirit also. So anyway, I'll pause because I can go. Simon, yeah. I, I can take you there. Let's uh, go. Uh, yeah. Funny enough, I've just had a tantrum um, uh, on, uh, I'm trying to sort out some financial stuff for my mum. And mm -hmm. the financial advisor, uh, I'm asking him very simple questions. He is making money out of us. He should be answering the questions. And he's just saying, I don't know the answer to the questions. Not, I'll go and go and find out. I'll ask my colleague and I'll find out. He's not solving my problem, right? And I'm, I've been having a tantrum about that. Um, so I'm familiar with the, 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 the tantrum stuff too. Um, I think one of the interesting differences between uh, your stories, I see it, and, and, and my story is that I didn't, I didn't feel different. You, you, you felt different growing up. I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel different. I didn't feel um yeah i didn't feel the like i was the bear being raised by the lions or you know that, that way i didn't feel like that so um i what, what um i i think that that the 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 primal wound comes in different sizes right mm -hmm. so mine feels like a, a paper cut and then some other people feel like they've it, it's like a jaws movie where the great white shark is taking a chunk out mm -hmm. of it Right. So there's a there's a spectrum. There's a spectrum of the size of the. Of the you wood. just traumatized me. I heard the Jaws music and I thought Jaws. You just yes. traumatized me. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, we went to see that film and I think it came out in 1978. Oh, my God. So, I don't know. Like, I, I was 11. I was like 10. I was yeah. 10. And I was terrified. I don't think I saw it when I was younger. Why are they allowed us to do that? Um, anyway, um, the, uh, the 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 wounded in the wound is in the in, in the human sphere. Mm -hmm. uh, 
And the one of my go-to places when we get near this is a is a mm -hmm. quote. And I apologize if you've heard it before, but I think it sums up beautifully. Oh no. It's uh we're not uh human beings having a spiritual experience, we're spiritual beings having a human mm -hmm. experience. Mm -hmm. And that was a French Jesuit guy, philosopher and mm -hmm. priest. Um yeah, Teilhard du Jardin. And it, so for me, the wound is in, the wound is definitely in the human sphere, not mm -hmm. in, in the spiritual sphere. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. where I see that then is that I have felt wounded. Mm -hmm. I've definitely felt wounded. Um, uh, but the essence of me, that um, spiritual side, the spirit or the consciousness, or the awareness that hasn't mm -hmm. been wounded. Mm -mm. The, mm -hmm. the, the closest bit I've got to that, um, the closest I've got to that is is a uh, like a, a a car metaphor I've got is a car where the uh, these days they're built with crumple zones. Car, <laughs> cars are built with crumple zones, um, so the crumple zones uh, are the the are that take the brunt of the impact, and the crumple zones. Are a metaphor for our feeling and the cabin, the space inside the car is the bit that's untouched because the cramp, the crumple zone, the crumple zone of um, uh, take of borne the brunt of the impact. That's the bit that's wounded, the essence of who we are. But with all that, Simon, you know, in terms of interest and reaching people, they don't want to hear this yet. You know, a lot of adoptees are in so many different stages, and the majority that are in support groups and listening and searching and seeking are seeking resources and help where they are. So they're not, they're not there yet, you know, and it's not like somebody's better or worse. It's just people are on it. We're all on a track. We're all running a race. People are just at different points on that track. Um, yes. So when we're trying to reach people to say, there is another side, there is another way, there is another possibility. But a year ago, two years ago, I would have cussed you out. Like we wouldn't be having this conversation because I wasn't there yet. You know, and some days I can, again, regress into the frustration and the hurt. You know, I'm going through some things now with my adoptive family and they're very hurtful and frustrating. Yeah. But I don't want that to define me. You know, that's why I think I've, I've struggled writing my memoir. I've written a lot, but I'm not ready to publish it because it's a permanent record of who I thought I was at that moment. And people are gonna trap you in that moment. And I want to make sure I'm strong enough to handle all these realities. So for those who don't know, I'll give my story in a nutshell because each guest is different and has a different yes. way of coming at this. So for almost 42 years, my adoptive parents did not tell me who I was. My adoptive father dies. A family member inadvertently tells me after his death, my father was the godfather. They never would have told me had the godfather still been alive. Mind you, my mother is the real boss in terms of the the one that'll get you, she's very well and very alive at 91 years old. Um, and mama's mama. You know, I tell yeah. her as my adoptive mother, she's mama. I mean, there you get no other title than mama, you know, because she had her concerns when I found out. And there was a whole unraveling that many of you have experienced. Um, and yes, I'm in re reunion with both sides of my maternal uh, and paternal family, but both of my parents are dead. I found graves both times. Um, they died when I was a teenager, not even knowing I was adopted. So with that, there's a different type of hurt. 
for late discovery adoptees, these are different layers, not to mention the late discovery adoptees who, whose adoptive parents are deceased and they find out after the fact completely. So all of that warrants healing. All of that warrants attention. You know, it, it's, it's the, you can't see the forest for the trees, but you have to see the trees. You know, for adoptees to heal, we have to see those trees. Eventually, prayerfully, we'll get to see the forest. Again, that's the thriving. That's the evolving. But you got to go step by step. You can't skip steps. Like, I couldn't skip the anger stage. I couldn't skip the I shut down stage. I couldn't skip the stages of healing and evolving. But you have to hit each one of those stages. And different people are in different places. And wherever you are, it's okay. Yeah. You know, you're the dot, the red dot on the map. You are here. This is yeah. where we are. It is what it is. Because yeah. um, you put that so beautifully at the end of the the uh, the, the interview with uh, uh, Jennifer in terms of um, that uh, acceptance uh, for where, knowing that everybody's at a different places in, in the journey and that's okay. So I'm uh, for those that want to dive into a little bit more, I'm going to put a link to um, uh, Dr. Sib's um interview with with Jen so you can get more of the story bit right um and another bit that really got me um listening to your story was um you know when you said we want our mama and like I'm I've got goosebumps you know I, I, I I'm I'm holding my uh, wrist and my arm up to the screen that's not very good for podcasting is it um the uh, I'm getting goosebumps along that when I say we want our we want our mama right and it's just like oh that cuts through all that kind of cuts through all Simon's um, you know I've, I've been on my journey stuff here 14 years right and mm-hmm. I, and I respect that the these different layers that different things uh, add up so we've got you've got the relinquishment trauma you've got the uh, you've got the uh, new surroundings trauma. You've got the um, if you if you're brought up in a different if you're brought up black in a white household or white in a black household, you've got that transracial uh, layer as well, where you not only feel different but you look different, and all that kind of mixes in together. Then you've got mm-hmm. uh, any any um, trauma from that happens in the household, whatever that is. And then obviously you've got the the late discovery adopting stuff, um, which adds another layer of trauma. And and it's like so for you, something that you'd believed for forty one years and three hundred and sixty five days. Well, you'd had suspicions for, and you'd actually the the world goes from underneath is the the the, the ground is pulled from underneath you, and. Just on that, you mentioned in the in the interview that uh, with Jennifer that you had actually asked your you you'd, you'd ask your folks about mm-hmm. whether you adopted because you felt different, and that it, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, an a, an omission. It was it it was lying. It wasn't it wasn't an omission. It wasn't a fact that they didn't tell you. It's that they didn't give you the truth when you asked it. Like you'd 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 somehow you'd figured out what it was, the mm-hmm. rational, and you'd asked them, and they said no. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, like, I'm not I'm not that, so 
you know. Like, That's the baby scoop era. So the babies, for those who don't know, the baby scoop era was 1945 to 1973. They estimate at least 4 million babies were taken from their families. And what people don't understand about adoption, the other trauma is people responding to you. As soon as I say something, you're successful. Be grateful. You know, your parents did the best they could. Be grateful. Um, gratitude to me is groveling uh, as an adoptee. I'm thankful because that gives me agency. Gratefulness is something I think externally imposed on people and can become fake. Um, so I'm thankful because I choose to be, but I will not be grateful. I lost my mother at birth. Let us be clear and put a period on that note. In terms of not knowing and really having your whole existence denied, you know, late discovery adoptees are different. You know, my LDA family, I love y'all because we are different and we're processing differently. I also think, Simon, that men process differently from women. We need that research out there. I think part of that is your survival instinct as men, because men were the hunter gatherers and they were used to going to different tribes. They were used to going to different groups, different families, different cultures, different um, communal groups. And so as a result, I think men adapt differently to being adopted, whether they know or don't know. Uh, but research needs to be done to further parse that out. Yeah. Um, I can't remember if I answered your question or not because my mind went, it goes, you know, with this topic, it goes everywhere. It does, yeah. Um, I, I think there's another thing, uh, an another reason that men and women, are, male and female adoptees, are, are, uh, react differently. I, I think because um, if you have a strong maternal instinct as a as a woman, then it's like, well, what could overcome that bond? You're you're aware of that. You're aware of that bond, um, which something that you know we we don't have as we don't. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't. I don't know, but it doesn't. It doesn't feel. It doesn't feel like that uh, as uh, from a sample of one me. It's, that's interesting, but you know, Freud would want a word with you about that because Freud would say Oedipus would kick in and the mother son bond would be more powerful than and the uh -huh. father daughter. But you know, interesting. That's Freud. That's Freud, though. Yeah. Yeah. We don't go near him. Um, well, I am. Um, so, but I want to take you back about five minutes. You said, um, <laughs> oh, Lord, you what said did I, say I would have, I would have cussed you out, Simon. Um, uh, and then, well, but you didn't cuss me out. So some things. Must no, have I said years ago. Me. I said, yeah, years ago, because it, it's a fog. It is a confusion. It is a frustration when you're manipulated. I was manipulated. I'm still manipulated. You know, I still have to use, and I mentioned this wherever I go, I still have to use a birth certificate that says I was born at one hospital when I was not born at that hospital. Legally, I have to agree to the lies that I did not consent to. You know, I wasn't old enough for consent. Um, these are memories I have, but I can't really recall. I can remember, but I can't recall because it was a pre-verbal trauma, losing my mother at birth. So I didn't have agency. I could not consent to this. And I still have to live a life as Sybil Brown. I've created Dr. Sib because I like Dr. Seuss, Dr. Phil, Dr. Dre. I think it's a cool moniker. And a friend of mine, I used to work at a TV station. He said, oh, now we got to call you Dr. Sib. And I was like, I like that. Um, that was even before I got my degree. But the bottom line is you are here. I mean, I just keep telling myself you are here. And there was so many moments through this journey where I didn't want to be here. You know, and I don't know if that was just didn't want to be here as in sitting in the chair I'm sitting in 
or didn't want to be in this plane, you know, be in this lifetime. Um, and I know other adoptees can, can feel that, but you have to work through it. You got to let that, that feeling pass. You know, I try to encourage people, this too shall pass. That, that feeling, that emotion, that moment is going to pass. You just have to sit there long enough for it to get out of your system. Um, in order to thrive, we've got to be able to sit in that discomfort. Um, and we have a level of discomfort most people could not imagine. Oh, I know I was going to say real quick. They were taking babies. You know, people have this misnomer that adoption is such a glorious thing. In some cases, it's necessary. My personal opinion, the only time adoption is necessary is if the mother is dead or beyond rehabilitation. Dead or beyond rehabilitation. Not like the 60s and 70s and 1940s, 50s and 60s when they were scooping the babies up. Why? Because women were cheating on their husbands who were in the military. Why? Because a black woman got pregnant by a black man. Why? Because the teenager did what teenagers do, had sex and had a baby and the family was ashamed of that baby and they had to get rid of that shame. Yeah. But the funny thing, when they get rid of the baby, they put the shame on the baby. The baby embodies the shame. The baby takes the shame with it. The people who get rid of the baby think they get rid of their shame. But the shame was also placed on the birth mother. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things to have conversations about. Um, but I definitely want to add that because I know people are so opinionated about adoption. Adoption's like politics and race. You know, you end up in fights and it's like, I'm an adoptee. You will not any longer tell me how to feel, how to think. You're not going to tell me what my life was. People tell you, tell your story. Then when you go to tell your story, they try to correct it. You can't edit my story. I'm living my story. And my story is thriving. Do you get listeners? Do you realize why I said live wire after speaking to this lady for two minutes? Um, so I want to go back into what changed for you. You said years ago you'd have, you would have uh, cussed me out with my philosophical sounding ramblings. Let's call them that. Um, and now you're not, or you're just being polite. But um, has what's changed for you? What I've what... changed. I've changed, Simon. I mean, you know, you evolve. Again, the, the goal in life is to evolve. I was raised in Catholic schools. We had retreats. I was raised in the Baptist church. So I'm already spiritual. But when the pain hit me so intensely of the realization of being lied to, of losing my mother, never, I never got to touch my mama, y'all. Some of y'all would, would go dig your mothers up with your nails to hug your mother again. Society took that from me. That Well, you got another one. That wasn't the original. You know you cannot wean a daggum puppy for so many weeks. You have more respect for dogs than you have for humans. That's the problem. You know, how do you think it is to take a human baby from a human mother and you won't do it to dogs? So years ago, I was just so angry and frustrated. And it took time. You know, it took time. And everybody's timeline is different. You know, you're not going to evolve at the same pace. But the key is that you do evolve. You do thrive. You've got to figure out how do I get over this hurdle? You know, I got to jump this hurdle. There's going to be more. But I got to jump this hurdle. Yeah. And I got tired of being mad as you get older. You know, you know, you don't want to mess your blood pressure up and your health and everything else. And, you know, my thing is they tried to kill me. I mean, they killed who I originally was. They killed my name. They killed my essence, so yeah. to speak. Not my essence. They killed my humanity, not my essence. And so my my revenge is living. My revenge is thriving. My revenge is being here. You know, one of my grandparents did not want me. 
you know, the sin and shame had to go away because it marked, you know, the family. And, uh, you know, people don't want to deal with that, but that's what happened. Yeah. So what, what shifts, what were the key moments? What were the key insights? What were the key belief busting moments, aha moments, epiphanies, whatever you want to call them? Um, what were the bits that were the landmark uh, that uh, were the landmarks are the landmarks on this evolution tale? Because what, what I'm trying to do is, um, hold up the learnings that the, um, that the guests have had up to the light, uh, that where the insights that have changed you in the hope that some of those insights spark some insights, catalyze some insights in the in the listener's mind and heart. You know what I was I was speaking at an event in Vermont and we went to a restaurant and it was an Asian restaurant. And we get there and I'm talking to the guy and asking for my seat. And he says, I don't work here. And he happened to be the husband of one of the faculty members I was with. I was mortified. I was so embarrassed and so ashamed. And I felt it so deeply. Like I, I erased myself in that moment. And in order to come out of that assignment, I had to keep telling myself, I made a mistake. I'm not a mistake. I made a mistake. I'm not a mistake. It's okay. And I actually told the people I was with, I told them what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And they said, that's huge that you realize that. And no, you didn't, you know, you're not a mistake. It's okay. And so that was a, that was a critical piece for me personally, because being born to one mother taken away from her makes you feel like a mistake. Like, like something was wrong with you. You were defective in some way, but they took you from your original precious, beautiful mother who spiraled as a result of them taking you from her. Um, so that was one. When you asked me, I really didn't have an answer. Honestly, that answer just was an organic response. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we're um, after. That's the, it's the truth of the, um, the, the truth of the, the matter. Um, do any others come to mind? That was a big one. That was a huge yeah. one. Um, I think also that the you are here piece is huge for me too, because, you know, going through this journey, sometimes you don't want to be here. Sometimes you want to take yourself out of this. You really do. Um, but you've got to fight through that. You've got to rest through it. So recently I read the book, Rest is Resistance. And that notion of just being still, you know, from spiritual plane, for those who are Christian, you know, be still and know, you know, we're supposed to be still. Right now, the world is going so fast. It's creating anxiety in the atmosphere. So you have to take a huge step back and rest and exhale. So I've been doing a lot of just resting and that's not lazy. Um, you know, jokingly, but dead serious, you know, Snoop Dogg smokes weed. Steve Jobs did LSD. You know, people did things to shift their minds out of this plane so they could relax enough to be creative. I'm not advocating drugs, but I understand the notion of we have to be still enough in order to get through this. So I started being still. Um, I started using nature. That was another biggie. So we were talking about the pandemic briefly before we came on. So the pandemic hit, the lockdown hit in March of 2020. And I started walking. I hadn't been outside since I was 16 when I learned how to drive the car, you know, on my birthday. So pretty much I stopped being outside 
you know, I wasn't, you know, a water person. I love water. I can't swim. So pretty much I would go from one garage to my work garage, come back to the garage. And I really wasn't outside. So walking and really working with that vagus nerve to calm it down, realizing you had a vagus nerve that runs, you know, the base of your body, um, holding your spine and neck and everything together. Um, paying attention to sunrise and sunset. Um, starting to follow um, Dr. Huberman. He's a neuroscientist and he's on Instagram and on uh, YouTube, but listening to how do you reset your body? Um, you know, we're on devices too much. We're on screens so much that we need to see a sunrise and a sunset as much as humanly possible to reset our eyes so that we can recognize colors because looking at the computer so much is changing our perception of color. So in order for us to be human, we have to embrace nature. Um, I often tell my students, follow a squirrel, go, go sit down on a bench and let your eyes follow a squirrel or a bird to relax your nervous system and just be in this moment to enjoy being here. Yeah. So it's, uh, it sounds like it's all a, 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 all those things are a, a decoupling um, a, a separation from between you and uh, these overwhelming thoughts and feelings, right? It's almost like a, a, a distraction, um, uh, a, yeah, a disengaging from a very active mind. And as professor, you've got, as a professor, you've got to have a very active mind, you know, like a indeed, muscle, indeed. right? Yeah. Um, so you, all these things are ways of taking a step back from the uh, the chaos of our experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have to. I mean, you have to. Your mind will take over. You know, I enjoyed listening to Michael Singer. I've listened to The Untethered Soul on YouTube several times, and I love that book because it talks about you, your essence. You're the witness. I'm talking, but something in my consciousness and in my essence is witnessing this moment. There, there's something else there you know who's hearing you talk you know your, your, your mind you hear yourself talking in your head don't do this turn left turn right you're not safe run do this do that there's an essence listening to that and we are the witness and so learning that knowing that is powerful using it is more powerful you know i'm aware of a lot of things i've read a lot i've, I've seen a lot i know a lot but often the distractions in the present stop me from being all who I can be. Um, and so I can tell you the right things all the time. It doesn't mean I do them. You know, people are like, oh, you know so much. I know what I'm allowed to know in that moment because I realize things we forget. And I realize that this notion of knowing everything gets into comparisons. And I don't like that anymore. Like I'm trying to get, I'm trying to get out the rat way, race, Simon, to be honest with you. I just don't want to be a, a, a rat and a hamster on a wheel anymore. You know, I know we're more than that. And once you realize that and open that door, you can't shut that door. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> if you win the race, you're still a rat. Correct. You're just an exhausted rat. You're just saying you also run. You don't need to hide. Or or dead. Or yeah. dead because somebody yeah. shot you from behind. <laughs> yeah. The, the the Japanese have a, a, a word for death by overwork. And it is. A name. 
Sorry, I don't know what the name is, but you know, like they have a. Oh, you're saying it is, yeah. Yeah, it's a cultural. Well, Eastern culture, African culture. You know, again, America's a new country, and that's another thing. You know, our arrogance doesn't allow us to recognize. You know, 1619. Well, there are centuries of other countries, other religions, other ideas, and so as a result, you know, those who study more deeply can expand better. I'll, let me share this with you. You know, in terms of attachment. So we know in attachment theory, especially for adoptees, if you haven't studied anything about attachment theory, it's beneficial to understand your attachment style. Most adoptees are anxious or avoidant. So there are three types, secure, anxious, and avoidant. And most of my life, I've had an anxious style. But attachment in and of itself is the danger. You know, Rumi and other Eastern philosophers and African philosophers will tell you being attached to anything causes suffering. So if I'm attached to the idea that I have to get that promotion and I don't get it, I suffer. If I'm attached to the idea I'm going to get that man and I don't get that man, I suffer. Uh, if I don't get that car, if I don't get that house, likewise. Um, I've always struggled with people asking you what you want. I thought it was because I was adopted. And now knowing that I'm adopted, I thought not knowing what I want was an adoptee thing. I really believe on a spiritual level, I know better than to want because then my joy is attached to getting that thing or not getting that thing. And joy needs to be in and of itself the goal. You know, this joy I have, the world didn't give it to me. The world can't take it away. So if I put my want and my hope and my attachment into something external, I'll never have peace. And but so if I'm attached to wanting my mother, I have to let go of that attachment and be at peace with it. I can still miss the connection that I feel I should have had with her, but I can't be attached to a resolution or attached to whatever it is, because whatever I'm attached to is going to cause the suffering. And, and we, like I, I say this all the time, but feelings are an inside job, but in the Western Correct. world, Correct. Western world, the culture is, I'll be happy when. Right. I fill in the X. And in the yeah, adult, I listen to you. That's why I was excited. I'm like, Simon, we're going to go. Let's go, Simon. I hear you. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I want to make, um, you, you mentioned Rumi. Um, so I, uh, have you, have you ever heard of a guy called Rupert Spira? I name check him on the show all the time. He, he quotes a lot of Rumi. Rupert. Yeah, I heard you say it. I yeah, heard yeah. you say it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Ru so Rupert Spira will distinguish between what we are aware of, right? Mm -hmm the content of our experience mm -hmm. and the the context of the experience. So the context mm -hmm. of the experience is the awareness. Yep. The, the awareness that is aware of the thought, aware of the feeling, aware mm -hmm. of the, the the need to connect with our birth mother. Um mm -hmm. Uh, 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 aware of the trauma, aware of our trauma, because tra trauma seems to me it, it's thoughts and feelings, right? So, yeah. It, yeah. Uh, so we're 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 making a distinguishing distinguishing between the content of our awareness, what we think, what we feel, what we sense, and who we are, the awareness in which all that stuff is going on. And what comes to mind, and I thought about how to explain this. So I don't know how to swim, 
but I love getting on flotation devices in bodies of water. And so the first time I got on salt water and the buoyancy, the ability to float on salt water was just unbelievable to me. Again, I'm not a swimmer. So getting in that water was a different experience. And I was getting taken away by the current. There was a natural flow, a natural current taking you right where you needed to be. You didn't need to swim, push, pull. You didn't need to do anything but sit there and relax and just be. And really, that's our consciousness. That's the awareness. It's just, it's just is. You can't change it. I couldn't change the flow of the ocean, the strength. I couldn't change any of that. But in my being, I could choose to be afraid. I could choose to be terrified. And sometimes our instincts, our primal instincts will kick in and your body alarm system will go off to let your intuition know, hey, something's wrong. But then sometimes we're just overridden with fear. you know. And I think a lot of that's in our society today, just a lot of fear that really doesn't exist except for in our minds. It's not real. Um, but that awareness that you speak of, that content and that context, I thought of the water. The water was a great yeah. um, example of that freedom of thought, freedom of movement, decoupling of context and content. I can choose to be mad. Madness is a choice. I know it's hard to think about it when you're in the moment. It's a reaction. You know, anger is an explosive reaction. And then I have a choice how far I take that once I come to myself. Sometimes you're out of your mind which is why the old folks in the Baptist church prayed for a right regulated mind. Sometimes anger takes us out of our mind. That's why we say that's an unregulated mind. Because when we're in our bodies, when we're connected to the mind and body and the awareness, we realize that's an emotion. I've experienced it. It's giving me information that I need, but I don't have to accept that as who I am. So in as few words as I can sum this up, we are the awareness, not what we are aware of. Correct. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm, you and I didn't say that. I mean, there are many people, spiritualists, yes. psychologists, philosophers who, who, who have told us these things. And we need it more now. Dr. Brene Brown. I love Dr. Brene Brown's work. Um, so there are just so many people out here screaming right now. Eckhart Tolle. Is that how you say his last name? Um, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Okay. I have to say, I apologize because it's T-O-L-L-E or it, it should be told, so to speak, but I'm, I'm not sure. So I apologize. And I should know because I've heard it pronounced by many people, but I'm not sure who's pronouncing it correctly. At any rate, you know, the power of now and his other books and the consciousness, everybody keeps saying right now in a society that's as toxic as we're in right now and as traumatized as we're in, we need more awareness. You need to take a step back, get out of the ego, get out of the two-year-old. You know, the two-year-old is arguing. You can see it when the politicians are on TV and the two-year-old shows up. You know, it's blatant. And it's like, you need a timeout. You, you really need a timeout because you're not even hearing the words that you're saying. Um, but that toxicity, this environment, we desperately need the breathing, the mindfulness. You know, people, ooh, it's the ooh. No, the mindfulness and the breathing brings us back to ourselves because what's in our heart, the aliveness in the heart, the openness in the heart is where the joy comes in and out and where the joy flows. And realizing that is a critical piece of healing. But again, you've got to be ready for that. And some days I'm more ready for that than others. Some days I'm just like, I don't want to hear that. Right now I just found out another lie or another secret, you know, that came out about my life. You know, my life is unraveling. You know, I keep telling everybody, this is a big old ball of yarn. It's unraveling and I'm doing my best to help it unravel. 
but there are kinks and knots that I don't even know exist because I've been lied to and manipulated by this system of adoption, which now is a more than $20 billion industry in America. Yeah. So I am a swimmer and um, I'm going to give you a metaphor I came up with um, a while ago for these that help perhaps help help us separate this stuff out. So okay. I'm in the swimming pool. It's it's busy, and I, I'm trying to get past. I'm usually one of the faster people in the pool, right? I'm trying to get past these slow slower swimmers. Um, so as I try and get past my my because the, the water is really busy, my body is taking a buffeting, right? So that's what's mm -hmm. happening to my body. Um, what's happening in my head is uh, why did all these people come swimming? Did they not know that this public school, public school, <laughs> this public pool is actually Simon's, you know, private pool, <laughs> right? Yes, I that's, get what it. My, that's what my mind's saying, right? And so the 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 the, the body's taking the buffets, the the, the buffing. Um, uh, the the my, my mind is going nuts with all sorts of two-year-old histrionics right and, and then and then above above me somewhere like the lifeguard right so my awareness is like the lifeguard up her his ladder like uh, six foot up in the air this is at, in tadcaster north yorkshire under a roof right this is an mm -hmm. a watch they watch mm -hmm. lifeguards right mm -hmm. but the awareness part of me is like the lifeguard totally unbothered by the way that my body is being buffered totally unaware uh totally not bothered about the rubbish that's going through my head just chilled out so that's body mind consciousness or body mind essence so mm. yeah that that hopefully that helps that that visual metaphor gives us pers a perspective right it's the it's the perspective the body and something you said made me think about it with you know the body and mind are disconnected for most of these that's the problem you connected our body disconnected our mind, body and mind when you did maternal separation it caused an internal fracture and so we have to often heal our connection to our mind and body. When I was in, well, I'm still in therapy. Uh, my therapist mentioned about my intuition. I said, my intuition has always been off. I've always had to ask people, what do you think? What should I do? You know, even though my original thought, like my first gut reaction is always the right reaction, but I had to keep overriding my intuition system, which is connected to intimacy, which is why we're thrown off. Because without intuition, how do you have intimacy without self-love? Whitney was right, learning to love yourself. So all these pieces are coming at me at the same time, Simon. So I'm really evolving in real time, real fast. Um, and really it's the realization because we have the awareness. We have the information we need. It's already in us. It's a matter of us getting to the space and place where we can hear it and we're ready for that door to open. So to go back to your swimmer's analogy, you know, you got the lifeguard, you got the swimmer, well, then you've got the ropes that are way out. And so you want to go into deeper water, but you got to wait until you build the muscles and the confidence and the stamina to go out in that deeper water. So each of us is in a different place. Some people are on the beach watching the water. 
Some people might wade into the really shallow end. Some people might let it go up to their knees, up to their waist. Finally, you know, I'm going to let it go up to my neck and then I'm going to put my head in. We're all at different places, but we're all together. We're all in the same body of water and on the same beach. It's just a matter of where we are in this process. In this process. And the other thing about, uh, you know, when I go swimming, I say I'm normally one of the fastest in the pool because I'm just swimming in the public sessions. The, the kids the kids that are swimming like seven hours a week and doing three hours on, on land to build their muscles, they'd be way quicker than me, right? So they're, mm-hmm. they're, But they don't swim at the public sessions. So I can only judge myself against who I'm at. Um, uh, who who do you see as the because I want to learn from people that are ahead of me on the journey right and mm-hmm. um, uh, and on the consciousness journey so they are more conscious they are um, less triggered uh, and uh, that tri- everybody uses that trigger word right and I think it because a, tr- a trigger you know we're just talking about one bullet and. To me, it does a, it does the thing a, a mass disservice because what happens mm. is it's more like a landmine going off, isn't it? It's more like a landmine. It's mm. explosive. It blows yep. to shreds. It's not just a single bullet. Um, so triggering to me is, in, in some respects, it's it's downplaying. But they the don't seem to. Well, I haven't come across the kind of the the Eckhart Tolle's or the uh, Brené Browns. In the mm-hmm. adoption world, I don't, I don't see those um, mega conscious. Maybe I've just not looked hard enough. Who, who do you see? I, I draw my experience outside the adoption space. I do too, and that's not to say the people don't exist. We need to put spotlights on people. So I use Dr. Tama Bryant. I use Dr. Uh, Brene Brown, Michael Singer, Michael Beckwith. So you know, I'm listening to things on YouTube. I'm intentionally looking for this. I'm intentionally seeking peace from within and from this growing awareness so listening to people consciously and intentionally also i let youtube autoplay a lot too because it will feed you more of the same um that confirmation bias you know i'm going to confirm what you already want so i'm going to give you more of it um a couple things the other piece of the puzzle is there are adoptees out there we just may not be aware of them and i need to be and that's something important to me as a journalist and as an educator is putting spotlights on what's out there. I'm new word to the community in that I had a false start, uh, similar to what happened to you, the toxic positivity. I had a situation where I had joined a group early on, probably around 2017, 2018 on Facebook. And I was so excited. And because I'm in my head, and most adoptees were in our head, research shows that, that is safer in our minds, which is why we may struggle with this notion of awareness, because we're always in our head because that's been the safest place for us because out here has been dangerous. Out here is where I lost my mother. But in that group, I was basically told, don't post any more articles. You know, you're posting too much information. Um, And I have the email and I haven't gone back. Um, And I realized though, you are where you're supposed to be. So I wasn't supposed to be there. I wasn't supposed to share my wisdom on somebody else's platform where they could get credit and get access to my information. So I recognize that in hindsight at the time, it was hurtful. At the time, it was painful. But, you know, now I've got time and wisdom. So we talk about healing and evolving. There's time, space, place, wisdom. The other piece of the puzzle that I want to share, too, Jennifer Diane Ghostin. I have to talk about my sister because we met on Adoptee Voices, started by Sarah Easterly. 
And Sarah was excited to make sure we met because both Jennifer and I hail from Chicago. Both of us moved to Nashville, both same race adoptees, both adopted by older parents, both uh, found graves on both sides, mother and father's side. And the list goes on. There's so much in common. It was frightening. Uh, both born at the Salvation Army Hospital for Unwed Mothers. Um, I'm like, were we separated at birth like five, six years apart? Um, but I'm so thankful for her because she had asked me to be on her podcast, but it took me a while to do it. Because again, becoming public about this leaves us all bare for public scrutiny, you know, for the external to say something about what's going on internally. Um, so I definitely want to um, encourage people to listen to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land with my sister, Jennifer. So I have to make sure I put the shout out and Sarah Easterly's Adoptee Voices group where I met Jennifer. Um, Jennifer's a men- one of the mentors uh, with the writers. Um, that was a very healthy experience. Yeah. Um, so the 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 link I mentioned earlier on is going to be uh, in the show notes. It's it's to Jennifer's yes. thing. So you all you need yes. to do, uh, ladies and gentlemen. I should have mentioned. I should have said that then. But I, I, I we yeah, were playing, yeah. Simon and I playing double dutch over here, so I had to get in the double jump, jump just jump rope for those all over the world. <laughs> That's jump rope. Um, I, and I I spoke to Sarah Lee Easterly yesterday, so she's going to be coming on the podcast soon. So. Um, yeah. Awesome. I look forward to listening to that together. episode as well. Um, now, you mentioned this word confirmation bias, which has been on my mind this morning. So yeah. can you sum up what confirmation bias is in a, in a sentence or two? We get what we want. We get what we want. You know, if I believe everything is yellow, I'm going to see yellow and I'm going to get confirmation that yellow is the best, com- the best color in the world, so to speak. I'm going to seek information that already confirms what I believe. Okay. So an adoption Brilliant. is like that. Adoptive parents, sadly, will look for information and find what they want. My adoptee is happy. Your adoptee may not be happy. Have you ever asked and then listened to the response? But a disproportionate number of adoptive mothers are narcissists. And that's research that needs to be explored as well. And that's a problem because sadly, what most adoptees get, you're all right, aren't you? I raised you well, didn't I? You know, a lot of people are getting Slightly that. leading questions, yeah. <laughs> and then, well, they're shut down. It shut down your whole system. And now you're operating in servitude, Stockholm Syndrome, and not evolving as a human being. You know, you're killing, people are killing each other's evolution. You know, how am I supposed to become aware and heal and thrive in these environments that keep telling me you're an enslaved person? Because fundamentally, that's what it is. When you take my culture, you take my identity, you took my name, you lie about my hospital, you know, a judge it's a gavel and all of a sudden I'm erased. So thriving in that is miraculous. The fact that we do thrive, Simon is an absolute miracle, especially when 16% of serial killers are adoptees. Adoptees are four times more likely to commit suicide. We know the statistics, but the world doesn't know. And what I've learned about this through being black is people don't pay attention to stuff that they don't perceive to affect them. They have opinions about it. They will talk about the little information they have about it, but they don't know. You don't know what it is to be black. You don't look at the statistics and the data. I have to. I have no choice. Same thing goes with for adoption. The adoptee intimately knows more about the situation than those who are not adopted. Now, some adoptees are more aware than other adoptees. And that's what we have to help people understand, that there's a continuum, there's a spectrum with any identity. There's going to be some people who over-identify are fully immersed in the experience and there are going to be others 
who are just not aware because nothing has happened to trigger that awareness. And I write about that as well. Yeah. How can conf our own confirmation bias for us as adoptees, how can that hinder us? Well, hinders anybody. I mean, you know, you've got to get out of the same pool of water. You've got to explore different places and spaces. I mean, if all I see is my living room, that's my perspective. But when I go see somebody else's living room, that's why they love HGTV. I can figure out, hey, I like what Tiffany Brooks is doing over there with this interior design. I can do something different. So again, it's getting out of ourselves, getting to know other people, listening, checking our emotions, and, and participating, being present. You know, our challenges for us, especially as adoptees, unconsciously, we want to be seen, we want to be heard, you know, consciously and unconsciously. We want to be seen, we want to be heard, we want to be loved. And so oftentimes for us, unfortunately, it's the subconscious and the unconscious that's ruling us until we become aware. Oh, that's a bad pattern. Oh, that's a trauma response. Oh, that's a trigger. When I become aware and present to myself, then I can start working on changing these patterns and these habits. But in order to override confirmation bias, I have to get new information. I have to get different information from different sources. Yeah. Beautiful. So will you come back on the show when you've finished your book? Ha! Ah, yes. The funny part is, when is that going to be done, Simon? Riddle me this, Batman. I have no idea when that thing is going to get done, but... I, I know. I, you know, it's in my head. It's in my head. I just have to put more on paper. I did put the the journey of getting my official birth certificate, which again, that's another thing I have in common with Jennifer Guy and Ghostin. We both were in Illinois, so we both got our birth certificates around the same time okay. when Illinois released the records in 2011. The actual birth certificates came in 2012. It, it, your your um, book will be done when it's done. That's the. I've started one three times, four times I, now, you know, so you, I've got you to understand. 10, I've got to 10, 12,000 words, right? You know, and. Yeah. Well, what happened was, and I'll share this too, adoption is only a part of my story. Yeah. Because I was overwhelmed by it, it became the story. So the first book that I've written so far, I've got 150 pages written. However, my story isn't there. I'm just telling you about my adoption discovery and that process as opposed to, hey, she's a Navy brat, grew up near the Great Lakes Naval Base in near the Chicago area in between Milwaukee and Chicago. Hey, again, she went to all Catholic schools. Hey, she was class president of predominantly white school. Hey, she was captain of the volleyball team. You know, there's just all kinds of things, not to mention all the things that I've been blessed to do since then, uh, which I count as blessings. I am blessed and I am harmed by adoption. Two things can be true, um, which is, you know, the juxtaposition that we talked about early on. Uh, people want you to be either or, and I am definitely an and, okay. both and. <laughs> brilliant thank you very much um dr sib and thank you listeners we will speak to you again very soon um, check out the show notes and listen to jennifer and uh, dr sib talking because it's uh, fantastic i listened to it this morning and it's brilliant. it's comedy it's com i'm going to be a comedian by the way because that's what the world needs is laughter and love <laughs> peace speak to you soon listeners bye-bye